As you know, the On Farm podcast is brought to you by the team at Seen and Heard PR and Marketing. And I just wanted to remind you about a new initiative that's happening here called On Record. On Record is a project to preserve voices, stories and memories for the future with your very own audio recording. So we're recording memories of rural life. We're travelling around Scotland, working with families and organisations to capture precious voices of family members or staff members or long-serving office bearers to preserve those for posterity and sometimes for historical value. So if you think this project is something that you'd like to be involved in and maybe you have a grandparent or a parent that you'd like to capture on audio while you can, please do get in touch. You can find out more at onrecordmemories.co.uk. Hey, Gareth, I, I thought you were in a nice uh, sealed office, but I, I hear your dog's yeah. uh, wanting its breakfast. <laughs> I've got a, a very determined Jack Russell who, when he gets, locks himself out about three times a day, sits outside the window and barks. I'll just go and let him in. Don't worry, gentlemen. After the year we've had, we're all more than used to interruptions and noises in the background while we're recording. Welcome, everyone, to the final on-farm episode of 2020. This is Monty. I hope you've had a good Christmas. I know things are strange and not normal, and but I just hope you've all had some lovely family time, if possible. And I hope, like me, you are looking forward to the new year, 2021. Fingers crossed, eh? Things can only get better. We wanted to squeeze this episode into 2020 as it's the final in the series marking the centenary of the Morden Research Institute. If you haven't heard our earlier episodes with the Morden, please do go back and find them in our podcast feed. We started by finding out, going back to 1920 and finding out what drove the setting up of the establishment of the Morden. Really nasty sounding diseases like Braxy and Black Disease and Lamb Dysentery you know, you would have a dead animals or, or big parts of a flock going down and, and they were just dead. The hogs and the, the ewe lambs were dying. What was the problem? That's exactly what the Morden was set up for. It's a great story and it happened in Scotland and not enough people know about that. In episode two, which was Morden on the cutting edge, we brought things up to date. There's a lot of really exciting science going around, particularly, you know, in the vaccines and the diagnostics uh, field. You know, we, we're really excited in terms of producing new vaccines for some of the, the diseases that, you know, really vex um, farmers in, in the UK. And, yeah, last week, last time, I hope you enjoyed our virtual drinks party. It was a bit of a different episode for us to do. But we wanted to make sure that we did something a bit celebratory to mark the centenary of Morden, even if it was only virtual. I was really disappointed that we weren't able to celebrate Morden's centenary as we had hoped this year, but I'd like to raise a glass to them because I think a centenary of Morden is well worth celebrating. Grab yourself a volivant, pick up a cocktail stick with a bit of cheese, a bit of pineapple and a bit of ham, if you must. You know, I think it's really important that the industry gets to recognise the, the contribution that they've made and the work that they, they do. And we should not let times like this pass by without some recognition of, um, of the value of that work. So for this episode, Morden Foundation Chairman Ian Duncan Miller, 
a beef, sheep and arable farmer from Aberfeldy has decided that he wants to retire at the end of 2020. Obviously, he hoped he would be retiring at the end of a glittering celebratory year. Alas, that was not to be. What we're doing today is listening in as Ian Duncan Miller, the outgoing chairman, passes on the baton, reminisces a little bit and has a general chat and catch up with his successor, Gareth Baird. Gareth is an arable and beef farmer from Kelso in the Borders. I'll, I'll kick off then. Uh, it's been probably the most challenging experience that I've had off the farm, but at the same time, it's probably been quite the most rewarding. There are some fantastic people there, some extremely bright people. But I think the combination of us as practical farmers and these guys as brilliant scientists is actually a combination that works remarkably well. I actually can more or less converse with them because they understand Morden has always been about uh, converting science into practical help for farmers at farm level. And if any of the scientists try and tell me stories about um, all the super bugs and all the things and, and highfalutin scientific language, I learned very quickly that all I need to say to them is, okay, what's in it for me? Well, this is all about helping farmers and I'm a farmer, so how are you helping me? That has been the absolute um, direction of everything that we do at Morden. Uh, yes, we've got some super scientists, but they know and they understand that helping the farmers is what the Morden is all about. One of the things that I've tried to do is to go to as many of the, the, the farmer scientists meetings as I possibly can. And these are meetings where our scientists go out with their knowledge to farms at farm level and talk about the things that the, they are doing as scientists and how that might help the farmers. Well, we took one trip, uh, a short series of meetings up in Orkney, and one of them was out on Westry. Now, I don't know how good Everest's geography is, and Gareth, I think you've maybe been up there too, but we had this meeting in the, the vestry of the Church of Scotland on Westry, <laughs> and we were all slightly uh, uh, fearful of what might happen. But we got a turnout of 24 out of a possible 39 or 40 farmers, so almost two-thirds of the farmers that could have come did come. And we had the most fantastic meeting. The meeting only drew to a close because the boys from Papa Westray had to go to get the taxi, which was their boat, back home to Papa. Mm. That was one of the memories that has stuck out with me. And, and these are things, when you take on a, a job mm. like chairing Morden, you don't really sort of think and expect. And, and I'm sure, Gareth, you, there'll be some of the things that, we'll, uh, that you'll find you'll enjoy too. Ian, you've just stirred some memories with me. Um, I remember, I think, the first sort of formal occasion I was involved in with the Morden was when Sandy Trees, uh, Lord Professor Trees, addressed uh, the Morden members in our lecture theatre. And I remember Sandy Trees so clearly talking about what he called the appliance of science and how he had been so frustrated through his long and very distinguished career that scientists couldn't get in amongst the farmers to get their science delivered for the benefit of livestock. I was uh, very involved with the Crown Estate for 10 years. I was the, sadly the last Scottish Commissioner for the Crown Estate in Scotland. But during that time, we developed a relationship with, with the Morden, which was of huge benefit to both the Crown Estate Many of the farmers who came to the roadshows were tenants of the farm estate and the Morden came in to, d to d deliver really well-grounded science. And I remember 
the one that kind of sparked it a wee bit was up in uh, Tom and Till. We had a um, cryptosporidium outbreak, which was being blamed on some of our tenant's sheep. And Dr. Beth Wells set about some research into where it was coming from. And the cryptosporidium was actually coming from the deer, which were at a higher level up the hill than the than the sheep. And it was coming down then into the sheep and then into the water supply. And then from that, uh, we developed, uh, Crown Estate sponsored quite a lot of road shows with primarily Crown Estate tenants, but with the Morden coming to, to deliver the science. And the thing that always struck me about these meetings was how frank the farmers were. So they weren't hiding behind saying, I don't have any of this disease or that disease or whatever. They were enormously frank because they saw the, the advantage to speak plainly with our scientists at the Morden about what was happening on the ground and thereby to deliver some sort of solution to their problems. There'll be other examples of that too. And I remember in the early days uh, when we had the enzootic abortion of sheep and Hesha were on the go and we had a Highland Perthshire Sheep Health Association. And that was very enlightening too, with allowing people to just open up conversations and, and talk about things like sheep scab, which previously we, we, we daren't speak about. Mm. And it was from that that I suppose my interest in, in animal health came and having worked with John Ross, my predecessor, uh, and then got involved in what Morden's doing. And it's, it's, been, it's been a fascinating journey. It really has. So I, I hope that the same fascination <laughs> stays with you. I hope so too, Ian. It, it's kind of in my genetics, I suppose, because... Um, my fa- late father was a vet down here in Kelso, as were the three generations before him. Indeed, uh, my great-grandfather was a professor of veterinary medicine at the Royal Dick in Edinburgh. It's funny, I was just thinking that the questions that came out about today's podcast really got me thinking. Quite a few years ago, well, it was 20 years ago, I was involved in Ross Finney's Agricultural Strategy Group. I was chairman of SAOS at the time, the... Uh, Rural Cooperative Development Organisation. And that was the first time I met Professor Julie Fitzpatrick. And I always remember Julie saying, I can put 10 measures on the table right now that's going to help the red meat industry in Scotland by a colossal margin. And those measures that Julie laid out that day 20 years ago are still, well, thank goodness, a lot of progress has been made around them. But there was the foresight of of Julie saying, um, you know, this is what we have to do to take these measures and these disciplines to make the industry much more profitable and for the benefit of the animals that we tend. Yeah, I've I've been aware of of, uh, Julie's foresight in that. And Animal health and welfare, I became aware quite early on that if I could keep my animals healthy, they tended to do me better as a business. And welfare is now, of course, in the modern world, very important. Uh, but if we can keep our animals healthy, I mean, I, I've used this often in, in public platforms when I, and whenever I can, that the animal health bit and the welfare bit, which Morden promotes so much with the, the disease management and, and the diagnostics and so on that we do, uh, if we do that, we actually address some of the big issues of the day, climate change, how, do, how our impact as farmers on the environment, uh, and, and also um, antimicrobial resistance. All these are huge issues today, and I guess we'll be going forward, because we're not going to solve these issues in, in one, two, three, even five, ten years. But actually, by improving the welfare of animals, we actually, at the end of the day, improve the bottom line of our farm business 
and demonstrate to society the contribution we're making to uh, climate change. Our tenancy here was carried on by my mum, who succeeded my grandfather, who died very suddenly. And in those days, when she took on the tenancy, it was quite something for a woman farmer to take on. And we had neighbours and advisors who were very kind to her. So after I left school and college and things, I, I was keen to come home. And I always liked working with the animals. So my dad always said, you know, get another string to your bow. And I suppose... I've sort of meandered my way to some other strings, you know, getting some non-exec positions and, and things like that. And that's been enormously stimulating. But the older I get, the more I value the farm, to be honest with you. This COVID period's been enormously strange for everyone, hugely stressful. And I think as an industry, the farming industry, bearing in mind some people have been very ill or, or God forbid, passed away, but as an industry, we've been very fortunate in it with our remoteness and, and what have you. But um, here I'm coming, you know, getting even more involved with the Morden. And I suppose it, it's in the genes a wee bit. And I just love hearing the way these vets talk about what they can do for the animals and things and research. And then, and then as Ian so rightly said, we've got such a bunch of great folk up there with the scientists. But we've also got a colossal number of, of supporters from all walks of life, but a lot of really able farmers and the practicalities of our job that they feed into the scientists are just great. I think one of the things that I've been very aware of, particularly over the last six months, but prior to that too, is is what we've got at Morden by way of a national capability. It is a unique facility. Uh, it's owned and run by farmers. It's a, it's a farmer-controlled board. And yet we are doing work for national good. And when the pandemic struck, we were within a week in conversation with the NHS to offer the facilities which we had to help with the pandemic. So I think, Gareth, the human health bit might fit more into your tenure than it has into mm. mine, but it's been an interesting uh, foresight that we've had during this last six months or, or most difficult period. That's a very well-made point, Ian. You also referred to our independence, our status as an honest broker in what the Morden's doing is really, really important. Um, and we would um, compromise that standing uh, at our absolute peril. So it's really important that um, all our stakeholders have trust in us and think that we're an honest broker. And I, I know that flows throughout the whole discipline amongst the group. It's been interesting this year where our focus has been on the pandemic, but actually this was supposed to be our, our anniversary and, and, and we've both been looking forward to celebrate that because I think we've got a lot to celebrate going back over the, the 100 years. And the reason that uh, I'm handing over to Gareth now is that, that we've done 100 years now and I'd hoped to be part of the celebration in the, in the year that's just coming to a close. And it's right to hand over now to you, Gareth, to, to take, take it baton on. But just looking and thinking of what we've done, it was, we were set up in 1920 by a group of farmers who were actually members of the Royal Highland Agricultural Society. And they held a meeting to set the whole thing up. And the reason they did it was that their sheep were dying in numbers which were uncomfortable for them. Uh, and they hired a, a, a scientist and they gave him a, a beat up old truck, which was slightly converted to become a bit of a laboratory. And it went round the farms, and I'm no doubt it went round the farms of those people who were sponsoring them to, to do it and paying for it. They concentrated on the diseases which were killing the sheep, 
and very early came up with some quite exciting uh, solutions. Louping ill at that time was was uh, a big problem, and that was one of the first vaccines they came up with in in the early 1920s. More recently, we all as sheep farmers use things like Heptavac and Ovivac and, and vaccines against uh, enzootic and uh, pneumonias, cattle diseases, reproduction disease, calf diseases. All these uh, vaccines have their solution at Morden. The centenary was going to be the most wonderful opportunity for us to showcase it. Uh, and to make more of what we're doing. And I've I've tried quietly, and I think I've probably not succeeded as much as I would have liked to have done. So we we challenge for you, Gareth, and maybe doing a bit more in terms of getting the farmers and getting, it's not just the farmers, it's getting the world out there, particularly politicians and decision makers, to understand the contribution that we more than have made. And I think the pandemic has maybe helped a bit. But we have made enormous contributions to uh, agriculture. And uh, I think, rightly, we have got a lot to celebrate. And, and hopefully next year might be 100, not 101, but 100 plus one. Yeah, I, I can assure you if I've got anything to do with it, you'll have a lot to do with the 100 plus one uh, celebrations. There'll be no doubt about that. And I think you're right about the Morden as an organisation, for all its fantastic achievements, has really kept its light under the bushel and it is time to celebrate that. And I think it's also time perhaps we can help to shine a light on some of the great achievements of the other uh, research institutes in in Scotland with whom we uh, have a a joint body and report to Scottish Government. So I hope there's a a ripple effect that, uh, that comes out in that regard. And actually, the point you made earlier, Ian, about... Bill Gates's words, it'll be very interesting to see where the spotlight is on government, probably on UK government, about pandemic planning. Yeah, and I think it's important that we make sure we're, we're there at, at the table and contributing because we've got a lot of uh, good stuff to contribute. Unless we push ourselves forward, they may not uh, voluntarily come to us looking, looking for answers, although hopefully that is changing a bit. I mean, to me, one of the interesting bits, and it is related to the whole COVID and One Health and one thing, uh, not one thing or another, but the, the, the way we, we help with human health and animal health. If you go back to the start, 100 years ago, the farmers put, dipped in their pockets to produce the money to pay for that scientist and for that rickety old van that went around. Within about 10 years, they worked out that the government probably could be asked to pick up the bill. And being pretty shrewd farmers, they did ask the government to pick up the bill. <laughs> And until um, well into the middle of the 1900s, about mid-1950s, the government paid for everything. And it was only really in the last um, 20 years that the balance has swung back again to government paying less and currently less than 50% of our scientific costs and private enterprise and, and commercial interest paying the balance. So it has been a huge swing in the way it works. Uh, uh, And I suppose with that will come the opportunities to draw more people, not just government, but some of the big uh, pharmaceutical companies, some of the big uh, industry, farming industry, rural industries to become involved in, in what we're doing, to actually take a financial interest in what we're doing, because it's to their benefit as well as to ours. 
and with that, I suppose, will come some of the interest from not just from animal health, but people who are interested in the interaction between animals, mm. the environment, and, and human well-being. Yeah. I guess for the future, that will come onto the agenda in a way that we've not seen, that I've certainly not seen during my tenure. Very exciting indeed, because um, I love working with teams, full stop, but I, I love working with positively minded teams, you know, who are looking for answers to problems and things. And and if we can continue to to have that open mindset to go on and look for solutions to livestock problems, which I'm absolutely sure we will have. What was set up as our original strap line, what was it, our policy 100 years ago, was to improve animal health and welfare through research and education. Well, we're absolutely on that spot today. Mm-hmm. We are broadening it a little bit now, perhaps from the animal health. But mm-hmm. if the animal health improves, then so does so does the the rural environment and and uh, all of these big issues that we mentioned a wee while ago. Another part I find so stimulating is the the remit or the demand for the more than teams skills and uh, intellect has spread. So we're now working with aquaculture and looking at the expertise of the. People in that industry just—I uh, just used to come away from these visits absolutely starstruck about their husbandry and the capital invested and and the quality of the product that they were producing. So now there's the more than and you know involved with with aquaculture. We're working with just about every, uh, well indeed all farmed animals from hens to salmon to deer to pigs, cattle and sheep, right across the across the board and. It's a very exciting place to be. I think what uh, is not often appreciated is is the commercial arm that we've got, doing all the work on vaccine candidates and, and um, doing the commercial work to uh, support new treatments and so on within our aquaculture that you mentioned, new treatments, new vaccine candidates, uh, all being tested on a commercial basis by our commercial arm, Modern Scientific. Given the, the last six months and the importance of the whole COVID pandemic, it's, I find it extremely interesting that the, our commercial arm was asked to check sterility and purity of the, some of these vaccine candidates. Nothing to do with efficacy, but it was the purity and safety. Without them, the various vaccine candidates passing those tests, they were not going to be allowed to go out into the, uh, the efficacy testing within... Uh, the human population. So again, quite an important part that we've played. And all the various vaccines that we use on a daily basis on the farm have been tested one way or another, and many of them by our own commercial arm who do the the, the, the testing to show that they are safe to use. And I think that work will, will increase. And I think you might see modern scientific growing quite a bit over the next five years. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm at the end of my tenure. I give up at the end of this calendar year. So my retirement is slightly out of sequence with our normal September AGMs, but that was all based around finishing the centenary year. So I'm sorry I'm landing you in the, in the middle of a, <laughs> of a financial year, but uh, I think you'll get over that one. Um, yeah, I'll miss it. And Hazel, my wife, tells me all the time that uh, you'll miss it a lot, and I suppose I will because it's been so stimulating working with these people, being part of it, to feel I was contributing, uh, working with our scientific director, who is one of the cleverest, brightest people I've ever had the privilege to work with. But I I feel it's been a partnership, 
because of of my practical grounding and you know I do do the lambing myself and I do drive the tractor myself and so that basic knowledge and I know you do a lot of that too Gareth so that's one aspect which I think I'll I'll miss because it's been it's been part of my life for the last eight years so I I think you might find yourself getting sort of sucked into to working mm. with the team and perhaps more more than I, I indicated to you when I asked if you were interested in, in following me. Uh, have I managed to make a difference? Mm-hmm. Did I go to a meeting and actually contribute something useful? Yeah. I think a lot of times the answer to that probably was no. But every mm-hmm. now and then, I think the answer was yes. And I've certainly felt that uh, working with the executive team at Morden, applying the practical agricultural bit has been useful both for the industry, but I think also useful for Morden as well, yeah. and for the scientists to actually know that here was somebody whose whose wellies were pretty dirty, was taking an interest in what they were doing. So that's been the way I've kind of measured yeah. it, if you like. It's also been the way that I've got the most reward out of my participation. Mm-hmm. I've always been stimulated by the external positions that, that have held because I hope it makes me think a bit a bit more widely and as you say in in helping to bring a a width of our experience to to our scientific brethren at Morden I very much would would uh, help help them I uh, just just on going forward well firstly I've got absolutely colossal boots to fill because Ian's just been just an absolute leader for everybody and such a clear thinker. And there, and I know particularly on the public funding side, there's been some very stressful discussions to be held and to try and amidst Brexit and all that, trying to plot a, a, a course forward. It's been very stressful for everybody in the, in the leadership roles. But um, here we are after a pandemic where we've found yet another outlet for our skills and expertise amongst the team. Who knows where that's going to lead? But I'm confident that we've got the intellectual firepower and commitment within the group, right from the scientists, right through all the board members uh, to carry it forward. And it, Earlier on, Ian, you spoke about our profile with with our farmer members, and I absolutely agree that we need to work on that um, because anybody who is a member of the Morden is getting a fantastic deal to enhance their knowledge about their own flock or herd's uh, health status and and keeping it at a higher level. Yeah, I think one of the things that uh, I've gained out of it, yeah, we pick up bits and pieces and we hear the scientists do the talks and so we understand a bit more than, I certainly understand a bit more than I did to start with. But to me, some of the tidbits you pick up, which you don't really expect, I mentioned Orkney and on that visit to Orkney, just a wee story which I, I still remember and still use. Uh, went into this shed on a farm and here was a big pile of barley and a small pile of oats. And I said to the guy, why are you growing oats up here? And he said, the reason is when the geese come off the loch, newly hatchlings in in May month, they don't eat the uh, oats, but they do want to eat the barley. So we can grow oats around the edge of the lochs. And I've discovered that by mixing a little bit of oats with with my barley for my cattle, I think my cattle are doing better. Well, Lo and behold, I tried the same thing, not because I've got geese, but because I can grow oats. And actually, that has helped. 
So I, I actually spoke then to one of the uh, top nutritionists who I know personally, uh, again, through Morden, asked him what was going on here. He said, oh, yeah, we know all about that. So here was a wee tip I picked up just by chance mm. by chatting to a farmer on a visit to Orkney. And uh, there have been one or two other little anecdotes as well like that. So, you know, it's not all been uh, one-way traffic by any means. Mm. I've picked up a lot. I've picked up a lot of satisfaction. And I hope, Gareth, that you get the same chances and opportunities to pick these wee tit bits up as well. It's been fascinating. Hmm. I hope so too. <laughs> Great. Uh, Ian, I think it's time to, to wind things up. And I'm quite sure you're... Um fed up to the back teeth of hearing that blooming Jack Russell there's barking in the background but I think the team have got a wee uh, recording or presentation for you Hi Ian, this is Scott Brown Hi Ian, it's Sally Hammer here in a wet and windy Wales Hi Ian, this is Matt Colston Our paths first crossed back in 2000 when I was at Britbreed and you were one of the key flocks in the Blackie Syrofinson scheme. Unquestionably, your involvement in that group demonstrated how forward-thinking you are. You've been a huge asset over the last few years and have worked incredibly hard on their behalf. And I remember you spending more time listening than talking. When you did talk, it was generally worth listening to. You're a fantastic ambassador for Morden, and without question, you leave Morden going from strength to strength. You also showed that it was never too late for us old dogs to learn new tricks. So keep up the good work and keep in touch. Hi Ian, it's Gareth Jones from Sunny Wales. Sad to hear your time in charge of the board is coming to an end. Hi Ian, Colin Burnett here. We've worked together now for over 18 years. I was always impressed that you'd done your homework and you came along armed with your highlighted notes ready to ask the pertinent and challenging questions. Fond memories also of evenings at the Brunsfield and it was nice to uh, be able to host you down with us and give you a, a taste of some bison cottage pie. Hi Ian, this is Bobby Lennox. I first came across Ian many moons ago in the Council of Young Farmers Association. I do appreciate life moves on and I do wish you all the best for the future and I very much hope that we'll be able to catch up at some point. And good luck to you with whatever else you decide to do. Hi Ian, this is Lee. Two events I remember very distinctly are when you opened up your farm for the day to discuss parasite control and grassland management, which was a great success, and a very memorable trip to Westry in the Orkney Islands. And you really had to earn your keep by making tea in the vestry and serving tea and biscuits to all the farmers. Um, and it was great fun. On behalf of the livestock industry and the sheep industry in particular, we really do owe you a great debt of gratitude for all the hard work. Hello Ian, this is Bridget Taylor from Cheshire, but Scottish at heart as I was born in your home county of Perthshire. I feel privileged to have been a director on the board of Morden under your chairmanship, Ian. Your evident enthusiasm and commitment to the foundation have been inspiring. Your credibility as a farmer who understands and embraces the benefits that Morden offers to agriculture as well as your successful other professional and business interests, have ensured that you command wide respect. Hi Ian, it's Julie Fitzpatrick here. I've really enjoyed working with you over the years in my role as scientific director and CEO. You have been a fantastic support to me personally. I've really enjoyed our regular discussions on the phone uh, with you often on the farm with various farm activities and noises going on in the background. 
It's been fun, it's been really challenging at times, but your vision and energy and knowledge of the industry has just been uh, fantastic for all of us. There's an old saying that success has many parents, but failure is an orphan. And at the Morden Research Institute, it's a building full of proud parents. The good humour, kindness and ability to ensure all views are heard, but that board meetings run to time, have been great qualities as a chairman. I've also particularly appreciated the updates you've provided the board during the traumas of 2020. Thank you very much, Ian, and wish you all the best in your retirement. We will really miss you, and it's been such a pleasure to work with you over the years. So from all of the communications team here at Morden, may we wish you a very happy retirement. But I hope we will still see you regularly at Morden Functions, if there are ever any face-to-face meetings again. Wishing you all the very best for the future, Ian. And I hope you make good use of all that spare time you're about to have. Thank you for all you've done as Chairman of the Foundation and for your expertise, support and dedication for all that Morden stands for. Best wishes. Bye. Yeah, no, it's nice. If people have said such nice things, yes, it's it's gratifying, but it also, I find it rewarding that people think maybe I, maybe I have done it tolerably well. So that that is hugely gratifying, yes.